You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during signup. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, April 21st. Ian Cameron with you, ready to break down the Wednesday uh, NHL card. Uh, Jimmy Murphy has uh, got Boston Media uh, availability taking place as we speak. So he's going to try to join us uh, before the end of the show. I need to get in touch with the Boston Bruins and say, could you do this shit at, at another time other than 2 p.m. Eastern? We need Jimmy here. You know, we need him for the ice guys. You change your time, not not me. We got to we got to we got to get on the same page here with this Boston Bruins team. Uh, to make sure that they don't do their media availability with Coach Cassidy and uh, who, and the Bruins players that they make available for these things uh, right around the time we record this show. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Jimmy will try to join us before the end of the show. It's a very, very short NHL card tonight. We only have uh, five games uh, on the uh, schedule tonight uh, in NHL action, uh, but definitely uh, looking forward to breaking them down. Sorry, four games, I should say. Uh, in NHL action tonight, we will start with the Nashville. Pre- Actually, before we do that with the short card that it is here for this Wednesday, uh, let's take a look back uh, at what we just saw um, last night. We saw a lot last night, lots to talk, lots of interesting things. We have to start from a betting perspective. The most, you know, I guess, impactful result of the night from a betting standpoint last night, the Pittsburgh Penguins, New Jersey Devils. I mean, how on earth... You know, if you had Pittsburgh puck line minus one and a half goals, you're basically at the point where you're counting the money with that winning bet after the second period, which ended six to nothing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You think, you know what? All right, that's a winner, right? Um, Unfortunately not. Unbelievable uh, turnaround in the third period. I don't know what it was, but I definitely saw – Parts of that game. Now, I was really heavily 
into watching that game in the first period because I had Penguins first puck line. I figured New Jersey would have a tough start to that game. Let's not forget, right before the opening puck drop, they ruled out Blackwood. They ruled out Ty Smith on the blue line. P.K. Subban was ruled as not being in the lineup. And that came out basically just an hour or so uh, before game time. So it just made an already struggling, it made things even more difficult for a struggling uh, New Jersey Devils team uh, in that game against a Pittsburgh team that you figured they're going to come out full bore flying out of the gate after losing to the Buffalo Sabres on Sunday. And that's essentially what we saw here uh, in that. And look, you have a 6 nothing lead. You have a dominant lead in the third period of that game like the Penguins have. You're a human being. You're not a robot. You're not a computer. You're not a machine. You have emotions. You have you know ways you react to certain things. And the human element and the human emotion when you have a 6 nothing lead in the third period is to basically sit back and cruise, you know, rather than keep your pedal down on the uh, your foot down on the gas pedal uh, for the entire 60 minutes and, and try to absolutely destroy that team. Um, and I think that definitely not not think it did definitely creep into Pittsburgh's game in that third period. Just the thought that, you know, we're up six, nothing, fall asleep a little bit, uh, be lackadaisical. And it filtered right down to the goaltender as well. Tristan Jari, who I didn't think had a good third period at all uh, in that game, but then it gets to six to one. You know, it gets to six to two, it gets to six to three. And all of a sudden you start to think, wow, Pittsburgh's got to wake up a little. And then Sidney Crosby scores right after that to make it seven to three. And it's like, all right, well, there you go. There, there goes the little comeback. Uh, there, there, there goes the comeback train for the New Jersey Devils getting derailed by that goal by Sidney Crosby. And you think, all right, we're safe, especially if you got the puck line. Next thing you know, here come the Devils again, swarm in the Pittsburgh zone. And they score to make it seven to four. And then a couple minutes later, it's seven to five. And at that point, and you know, Pittsburgh had to rally the troops at that point. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know damn well when you have the minus one and a half goals and your team is up by two with just not even a couple minutes left. You know you're going to have to sweat an extended amount of time with the net empty, with the Devils having the extra attacker on the ice, trying to score twice in the last couple minutes to tie the game. And to make the the the, the bad beat that it was on Pittsburgh puck line last night, to make it even worse, the icing on the cake, the cherry on the sundae, whatever you want to call it, the cherry on the Sunday of the shit cake, as I like to call it, uh, for those of you that had uh, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins puck line last night, the sixth New Jersey goal with about 40 seconds left, banked in off of Tristan Jari uh, and into the net. Off of Jari, basically hit it into his own net with the skate, and, and next thing you know, there it is. That's your 7-6 to six goal. And 40 seconds left, you're praying at that point for – a desperation last second empty netter because you know they got to pull the goalie again when after the face off at at center ice and obviously it didn't happen and the game ends 7 to 6 uh for the Pittsburgh Penguins and somehow a 6 to nothing Pittsburgh lead after the two first two periods results in a loss for Penguins puck line betters minus one and a half goals um just absolutely staggering um, I've uh, like usually at this point in my life and my sports betting career, which is now 10 years long. Can you, I can't believe I've been doing this full time 10 years. I haven't had a real job. Well, I shouldn't, this is a real job. This is a tough job. This is a working job, but you know, in terms of a job where I'm out in the workforce, I'm doing, you know, 
labor, manual labor. I'm in an office space. I'm I'm with a company in the public uh, domain. You know, it's been 10 years since I've worked that kind of job. So it's been a long time that I've been doing this full time. And it's now so many years that I've accrued as a sports better that nothing is supposed to stun me. Nothing is supposed to shock me anymore. Nothing is supposed to say, wow, I couldn't believe what I just saw. You know, I've, I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to have seen it all, you know, by this point in time in my life and in my career. And yet I don't think I've ever seen that. <laughs> a puck line loss with a six to nothing lead uh, after the first two periods. In fact, I've pulled, uh, there was a great stat posted. The Penguins, first team in NHL history, and that's obviously some long history when you're talking about this league. They were the first team to win a game last night against the Devils in which they were outscored by five goals in the third period. How's that for some staggering uh, statistics right there? Entering that game, NHL teams were 0-270 in the regular season as well as 0-9 in the playoffs, which is 0-279 all-time. Teams were 0-279 all-time when they were outscored by five or more goals in the third period. Of course, Pittsburgh still won that game. <laughs> there you go. They are the one win. They are now the one and 279 in that stat where one and 279 teams that uh, one and 279 teams that were outscored by five goals or more in the third period. One and 279, and that one win was last night, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Unbelievable. Uh, crazy stuff. Um, but, yeah, Pittsburgh gets the win. As far as what we also saw last night in NHL action, Carolina, best bet winner for me. Very happy to see that great bounce back game. This team's got some serious medal. This team's got some serious pushback. This team doesn't get rattled. Um, it was a tough loss the night before against Tampa Bay uh, in overtime. And to battle back, and they played a dominant game. They outplayed Tampa. Chances expected goals margin, all of those stats in Carolina's favor. And it played out that way on the scoreboard in a four to one victory uh, for the Hurricanes. They can absolutely win the Stanley Cup. I, 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 I've thought that for a long time now, and I still believe that with what that group has. What that group has is a great sense of team game. They've got a great team game. They really do. Four lines. Of course, we know Aho, Svechnikov, Niederreiter, are the headliners, but they've got four lines that just four check you to death, roll them over, Rod Brindamore, and they just and, and everybody plays hard. They're literally they're, they're dogs on a bone. Forward one through forward 12 on that team throughout all four lines, they're dogs on the bone. They hound the damn puck constantly. And that's why they're masters at forcing turnovers. They have a great sense of what we can do to get the puck back. And that is the system that Rod Brindamore has essentially brought to Carolina. From day one, he said, we want the puck. What do we need to do to get the puck when we don't have it? And he's basically drilled into their heads, and they've executed this system perfectly since he's been there, which explains all the success they've had, is that when you don't have the puck, you bend over backwards to get the damn thing back. And that's what you get from the Carolina Hurricanes night in and night out, whether it's their forwards, whether it's their blue liners. They absolutely hound that puck constantly all over the ice. 
And that's why they're such a great Corsi team and puck possession and all that, because it's a commitment from the entire team to get the puck back. It's, it's a fun team to watch. And it was a nice bounce back for them against Tampa Bay uh, last night with that uh, four to one win. Uh, the Boston Bruins keep on rolling, uh, shutting out the Buffalo Sabres two nothing last night. Jimmy say and Boston look out for them. They're starting to get their game going. Uh, there's no question about that. A nice win uh, for the Boston Bruins last night. Uh, the New York Rangers getting drubbed by the New York Islanders. And as soon as I saw the uh, first period end, I'm like, the Rangers, yeah, that was a bad job by me, thinking that uh, uh, beating up a New Jersey team was going to be uh, good enough against the New York Islanders. And the Islanders were outstanding uh, in that game. Uh, finally got their offense going. If you're Barry Trotz and you're that Islanders team, you're probably going, Phew. finally, we got this offense going a little bit. It was everybody on board, Bailey, Beauvillier, uh, Eberly. Barzell. I mean, it was just a good and Brock Nelson. Uh, it was a good collective effort from that entire Islander forward group. They'd basically been missing in action uh, the three games prior to that, the two games against Boston, and then of course the uh, the win against the Flyers. Which, to be honest with you, they could have lost that game if not for the heroics of uh, Ilya Sorokin uh, in net, who was absolutely outstanding that night. Um, so Islanders, it is definitely a little bit of a sigh of relief for them feeling to get their offense uh, back on track a little bit. Uh, the other game I'll talk about, obviously, is we got to talk about this uh, situation here with the Toronto Maple Leafs and the situation with the Vancouver Canucks. The Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, they lose to the Canucks again last night, 6-3, to 0-2 in the back-to-back -back against Vancouver, a team that was just playing their first games after COVID-19 um, and that three-week hiatus they had uh, and – Look, the Vancouver Canucks deserve full marks. Now, they don't win those two games without Braden Holtby playing out of his mind, and he did. He was outstanding in both of those games. He was unbelievable at times. But, you know, and Toronto played well enough to win both games. They outshot Vancouver both games. They probably had the better of the play. They had the better of the chances both games. But unfortunately for the Leafs, Braden Holtby was not just a little bit better. He was a lot better than Jack Campbell on Sunday night and not, even more than a lot better than David Riddick last night in that game. That is hideous goaltending from David Riddick in that third period. Big Civ Dave made his first appearance as a Toronto Maple Leaf because um, that's what I call him when he stinks. And unfortunately, last night was one of those nights again where he absolutely stunk up the joint. Those two goals in the third period of that game can't go in. They cannot go in. The five-hole goal was a brutal goal uh, to tie the game uh, for Vancouver. I think that was the goal that made it. Uh, three, three, uh, and actually Vancouver got the power play goal, pulled ahead four, three, uh, and then, uh, the Pearson goal from the, from the boards, just below the faceoff dot from a horrible angle. And it goes right through off the pad and in past David Riddick. First of all, what the hell is your goalie pad doing off the ice goaltending one one And I'm not, look, I've never played hockey in my life, but I've watched hockey all my life. And I know enough watching it all these years, observing it. I've been watching hockey for th – that's why I get so angry when people say, but you never played hockey, Ian. What are you talking about? But I've uh, I've soaked in 30 years, 30, 30 years of watching hockey. Don't make it sound like I'm an idiot. Don't make it sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. All right? Goaltending 101 is your pads are on the ice. You don't lift your pads up. If your pads are down on the ice – you cover up you cover up the lower part of the net. You don't let things go through the five hole. 
and you don't let in goals like that. For some reason, David Riddick had his pad up off the ice and it hits the inside of that elevated pad, which was up in the air, and the puck goes in. That's a goaltending 101 is your pad's got to be down on the ice, period. Like, like I say, I've never played a second of hockey in my life, but I've been watching it for 30 years. I hear commentators. I hear experts and, uh, that have analyzed this sport for three decades. And over that time, I soak in information. And even though I've never played the game, I know what fundamental goaltending is, fundamental goaltending technique, and what you need to be doing as a NHL goalie to make sure bad, horrendous, horrific, terrible goals like the one David Riddick gave up last night in the third period to make sure what you do to make sure those goals don't go in. Simple as that. You know, you know, you, you don't need to, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to be a goaltender in my lifetime as a player to know that. And unfortunately it was one of those situations where it, it was just bad technique by Riddick, terrible goal to give up. And that was essentially the backbreaking goal five, three for Vancouver and they win 6-3. So Toronto's got issues now. They've lost five in a row. The rose is, the, the bloom is off the rose of Jack Campbell. He struggled a little his last two starts. David Riddick last night, awful in the third period. You don't know when Freddie Anderson's coming back. And now all of a sudden, your worst nightmare if you're the Leafs is we've got this Stanley Cup caliber team. And right now, we may not have a Stanley Cup caliber goalie. That's your worst case scenario, you know, if you're Leafs Nation right now. You don't know if Jack Campbell's a Stanley Cup caliber goalie. Nobody does. How we don't even know if he's going to win a playoff series because this franchise hasn't won a playoff series in six, 17 years. Sorry, 17 years. Let's not forget that. 17 years for this Toronto Maple Leafs team without a single Stanley Cup playoff series victory. We don't know any of this stuff. And David Riddick, yeah, we've seen him in the playoffs before for Calgary. None of that's been any good. So they've got issues. And I think Sheldon keeps at almost at his boiling point. I've never seen him publicly lambaste or criticize his goaltending to the extent he did last night. He basically said it. You know, it, it, it was not good enough tonight. And usually he does not throw his goalies under the bus in a press conference after the game. Usually he bites his tongue and he won't go that route. But he kind of did last night. Uh, so you know he's getting frustrated because, look, the Leafs didn't play bad. They didn't play bad in those two losses to Vancouver. They outplayed Vancouver, outshot him. The, the high-danger chances were way in Toronto's favor. The expected goal margin was toward Toronto in both games. If you look at the stats, the advanced stats, it points to a Toronto team that should have won both games. Should have won both games against Vancouver, but didn't work out that way because they did not get the goaltending. So that's an issue. Let's talk about the Vancouver side of this. Because this is even more fascinating. Yeah, the Leafs are in a little bit of a funk right now, but they're still going to be in the playoffs. They're still probably going to win the division, although don't don't say that for sure uh, if the Winnipeg Jets beat them uh, on Thursday night. We need to talk about Vancouver and what this means for them. They can make the playoffs. There's a pathway for the Vancouver. I'm not bullshitting. I'm not being funny. I'm not being facetious. I'm being deadly serious. I'm being completely and utterly serious here. The Vancouver Canucks can make the Stanley Cup playoffs. They can. They are eight points back of the Montreal Canadiens. They have several, not just one or two, several games in hand 
on the Montreal Canadiens because of, you know, because of their uh, pause in their season because of the COVID issues. They're fresh as a daisy. It doesn't look like they're suffering anymore from these, you know, post-COVID after effects that JT Miller was talking about last week. I don't see anybody having trouble breathing. I don't see anybody having trouble with the stomach issues anymore. Maybe they were last week still, but it looks like this team's getting back to full health. Hope he's found his game. He's fresh. The team is fresh. The team's confident. They just beat Toronto, uh, one of the best teams in the NHL, two games in a row. They're flying. They've got Ottawa several games with the Senators on deck. Now, actually, be careful what you wish for. You know, the Ottawa Senators are playing the spoiler role to the tits right now and just destroying the hopes and dreams of every team trying to make the playoffs in this damn division. Just ask Montreal. Just ask Calgary uh, the other night. So maybe that's going to be, be careful what you wish for, that Vancouver's got games against the Ottawa Senators coming up. But if Vancouver can take care of their business and beat Ottawa, and with the Montreal Canadiens, and we'll get to them, they're playing Edmonton tonight, scuffling, leaking oil big time, this Montreal team. Nobody can put a puck in the ocean for this team right now. Carey Price is now dealing with concussion issues. Brendan Gallagher, your heart and soul player, is out. And nobody else can score. Your defense is falling apart. Jake Allen is starting to wear down a little bit. Montreal is scuffling. If Vancouver can take these two wins against Toronto and go on this and t- make, turn this into a massive run, you know, there's a chance. I'm not saying it's a strong chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen because the math, the the, the deficit in the standings to Montreal is still very real. But there's a pathway if they play r- lights out, red hot hockey for a couple of weeks here. Now, the challenge for Vancouver is the schedule is going to be a bitch. It's going to be a beast. You know, they're going to be playing so many games in such a condensed period of time that, you know, eventually you get worn down and and the schedule just beats you up. And that could happen to this Vancouver Canucks team. But these two wins, and I think they had to win both games against Toronto, and they did. These two wins have at least opened the door slightly. The door is slightly ajar for this Canucks team to maybe do something incredible. And maybe, just maybe, track down the Montreal Canadiens, who, as I just say, stated, are vulnerable right now and are playing their worst hockey at the worst time of the year right now. Uh, so keep an eye on this. Maybe Vancouver does have one last push to try to make the playoffs in them. They've certainly given themselves that chance by beating Toronto in two straight. All right, so that was the recap of Tuesday's action. Let's turn the page. It's time to break down this Wednesday card. We'll start with the Nashville Predators taking on the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. We've got Nashville about minus 120 to minus 120. Uh, actually, it's gone up to about minus 130, uh, minus 135 now. Road favorites in Chicago. Uh, total five and a half uh, pretty much across the board here in this one. Chicago can't beat Nashville. They can't. Um, I took a chance with them at a plus price the other night against Nashville, thinking, you know what, that these games are enormous for the Blackhawks. They're right behind Nashville in the standings. If they want to try to get this playoff spot, they've got to find a way to win uh, these games, and they have not done that. And they just can't beat Nashville. They're they're zero for this season against the Nashville Predators to the point where I can't back them again. Uh, and Malcolm Subban is going to be in net, who's been good at times, not so good at other times. 
but they need to give Lankin an arrest. Uh, he he had maybe his worst game in a very long time, Kevin Lankin, in the other night uh, against Nashville. It's probably a, a wise move to sit him down, see what Malcolm Subban can give you. But boy, this Nashville team has just owned Chicago this year. It's tough to go against that. Um, and now Chicago's four points back. They have less games remaining than the Nashville Predators. So not only are they four points back, they have fewer games remaining than Nashville. Nashville's got games in hand, and Dallas has now passed Chicago uh, for fifth in the division. And Dallas is just one point behind Nashville. So Chicago's got to contend with the Stars now as well. And when you look at the Chicago team, it comes back to the same thing. Their defense just when push comes to shove and they need to step up and elevate their game against a good team, this team can't do it defensively. That's still the Achilles heel. We, I like Kane. I like Kubalik. I like to bring it Strom, uh, and, and a lot of these guys up front for the uh, Blackhawks, but defensively, uh, this team, uh, just doesn't seem to be able to step up when they play those tougher opponents. That remains consistent with them. Um, I'm not involved in this game because it's uh, from a betting standpoint. I passed on it because of the fact that, look, if you're Chicago, this is your absolute last gasp to try to stay in the race. These next couple games at home with Nashville, you got to win both, period. Anything less is not going to cut it. Anything less is not going to get it done. So this is the end of the road here for Chicago. They've got to find a way to win both of these games. I don't know if they can. Nashville's just owned them. Uh, I'm not going in front of this streak that Nashville has head-to-head against Chicago. So I lean to the Predators. I would rather lay the price with the Predators than take Chicago, but I'm going to pass this game all around, uh, both side uh, and total. Next up, we've got the uh, Minnesota Wild and the Arizona Coyotes. Minnesota minus 160. Uh, road favorites, total five and a half here uh, across the board in this one. Uh, Minnesota took care of business in the first meeting. Uh, uh, Arizona, uh, a very solid win for them top to bottom. Uh, their offense got rolling. Tough night for uh, Darcy Kemper. Uh, Arizona's trying to hang in there uh, in the uh, playoff race uh, in the uh, West Division, uh, trying to hang there with St. Louis uh, for that spot. This is a big game. I considered Arizona because it's a good bounce-back spot. This team has shown some resolve, some resilience, uh, but I didn't quite get there with them. Uh, they have had uh, more than a tough time with the Minnesota Wild uh, in the recent head-to-head games. There's no question. Um, kind of like the Nashville-Chicago game. I want to make a case for the home dog in both games, Chicago and Arizona. But they've struggled against these opponents. Chicago's had a tough time against Nashville, and Arizona equally has had a very tough time against Minnesota uh, in this head-to-head matchup. So it's another game where I would lean a little bit to the over because the one thing about Minnesota, they've been able to score goals in bunches against Arizona. I thought defensively uh, Arizona might have the uh, better chance to slow down this wild offense with uh, Darcy Kemper back, and it didn't matter worth a damn. Uh, Minnesota was still uh, able to score goals both uh, offensively, uh, five-on-five, and on the man advantage. Uh, So that kept going for them in that game. Uh, I I might add the over, actually, over five-and-a-half at a plus price. I like that the idea that it's five-and-a-half at a plus price. I think I will bet that, Minnesota-Arizona. I was leaning that way. I know sometimes the first game goes over, sometimes the second game goes under, but 
Minnesota has been able to score at will against Arizona. And the one thing the Coyotes have done a little bit better lately is score themselves with Kessel and Keller uh, and company starting to chip in a little bit more offensively for this team. Uh, that's that's helped this uh, Arizona team quite a bit. So the over five and a half plus 110, uh, definitely a bet that I, I'm probably going to go ahead with uh, in this one. San Jose and Vegas. Uh, we've got Vegas minus 275 home favorites here. The total six across the board. Um, you got to worry about this game for San Jose. I mean, the Patrick Marlowe uh, uh, emotions the other night were real. They were significant. You got everybody and his brother across the National Hockey League sending in these little video blasts, these little video tributes to Patrick Marlowe, congratulating him on passing Gordy Howe uh, for having the most games played uh, in NHL history. Um, and you can see that it was a big night for Marlowe, uh, and it was a big night for the San Jose Sharks, you know, honoring him. They actually played their guts out the other night against Vegas in that game. They played as well and about as hard as they could, and they still ended up losing uh, that game 3-2 to two, uh, to the Vegas Golden Knights. This is the spot where you could be worried about San Jose just falling flat, completely falling flat uh, after that Patrick Marlowe night. Uh, two nights ago. So it's something to keep in mind here. And when you talk about San Jose, the one constant this season with this Sharks team has been they play a good game or a decent game, and the next game they don't. They, you know, consistency has just not at all at any point during this regular season been there uh, for the San Jose Sharks. So I think Vegas puck line's a good way to go here. Uh, minus one and a half, around minus 110 uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, on the puck line. I don't bet many puck lines. Maybe I should be doing Vegas in regulation because, again, we've seen a lot of one-goal games, and we did see a one-goal game with the Sharks and the Golden Knights uh, on Tuesday night uh, or on Monday night, I should say, but I don't think that's going to uh, happen again here. I, th I think San Jose is definitely going to be uh, – their effort is just not going to be there to the extent it was, I think, and their execution either is not going to be there to the extent it was the other night. You've got Joseph Coronar in net. Uh, for the San Jose Sharks, um, still a very young goalie uh, going up against Mark Andre Fleury will be in net here for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Coronar, two point four five goals against, eight ninety five save percentage. He's got very obviously small sample size here in the NHL, but uh, the fact that he's got a sub nine hundred save percentage against this Vegas team, which really offensively, Mark Stone, Pacioretty, Yanmark's been an Alex Tuck. Uh, unbelievable uh, seasons from all of these guys. And the funny thing, too, about Alex Tuck is, you know, this is a guy that the Minnesota Wild, I believe, Terry Edelman should know this, left them, him unprotected, and Vegas ended up getting him in the, the the expansion draft that year. And look at what he's done. Look at the, look at the player he's turned into in Vegas, and look at the season he's having uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. But it's Tuck, it's, you know, Marcia So. Uh, you know, like I say, Stone and Pacioretty have been absolutely terrific. Um, it's a very good team. And and they're playing probably their best stretch of hockey all season, Peter DeBoer's team here, the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'm going to go with Vegas puck line, minus one and a half, uh, minus 110. Uh, there, there, there they go. Okay, so they traded Tuck and Hall to Vegas. Uh, so there we go. Um, so they didn't take – well, okay, that's good. You know, they, they protected Dumba. But boy, they, yeah, that's what it was. They traded Tuck to Vegas. Very good, Terry. Good stuff. Um, 
Glad you uh, corrected me on that. I thought they left uh, Tuck unprotected. No, Tuck uh, was traded uh, because, again, we had to wait and see. Tuck, of course, hadn't you know gotten his feet wet in the NHL at all at that point, uh, and he ended up getting traded to Vegas, and the rest is history. And now if you're Minnesota, you're thinking, man, we traded that Alex Tuck guy away. Bat, could we have a mulligan on that one? Unfortunately, when you're a general manager, uh, you don't get mulligans. You don't get do-overs. Uh, and that's uh, that's unfortunate for the Wild, but it's been very fortunate for the Golden Knights. Uh, Tuck is having a hell of a season. So I like the Golden Knights. They're minus one and a half, minus 110. Uh, last game, Montreal Canadiens taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, we've got the uh, Edmonton Oilers here at home. They got the job done against uh, Montreal the other night. They're minus 140 uh, home favorites in this game. Uh, total six, uh, five and a half in some spots. So uh, make sure you shop around and try to find the best number you can. Uh, in this one, look, I know it's a bounce back spot for Montreal. I know they're the team that's trying to play. Uh, in, this is important. This is this is an important stretch of hockey for Montreal as they try to maintain that final playoff spot in the North Division. But this Montreal team's not playing well. They just aren't. And like I said earlier, they're vulnerable. Brendan Gallagher being out. This forward group hasn't been the same since he got injured. Tatar's done nothing. Lekkonen's done nothing. Dano's done nothing. Druan has done nothing all season. So I don't expect anything different there. Uh, so that that that's not that's not a news uh breaking news. That's not shocking to me. Jonathan Druan continues to do jack shit. It's it's just not uh any sort of breaking news to me that that's keep uh going on still. Jonathan Druan is totally invisible, can't find him with a telescope on the ice every single night, not doing a damn thing. Um that so that keeps on going. Uh, the defense has kind of uh, struggled in recent games. Um, they, they they let Victor Mete go to Ottawa, and I'm seeing Victor Mete play well in Ottawa. So what kind of uh, genius decided to do that? That's a problem. Jeff Petrie's offense from the blue line has dried up. Shea Weber is turning the puck over in his own zone. That's a problem. Uh, now Carey Price is in concussion protocol and out for at least a week. That's a problem. Jake Allen has been carrying this team to any success they've had, you know, the last few weeks. He's been brilliant uh, in net. And in fact, even though they lost to Edmonton, the dam finally burst on that Montreal team. Jake Allen kept that game one nothing Montreal for the longest time and eventually got no help, no support from anybody else. And the Oilers rallied to win that game. This is not a team I'm betting on right now, period. I know it's a bounce back spot. I know people like to gravitate to the zigzag theory and the team that lost the head-to-head -head the last game. But first of all, Edmonton's playing great hockey. They've been excellent on home ice lately. Uh, I'm not stepping in front of Edmonton here with this Montreal team that I flat out don't trust at this moment. I don't. The offense is dormant. It's non-existent. The power play's bad. They can't score five on five. They're not generating enough. It's all kinds of issues right now for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, they had all kinds of problems with Ottawa. They got a terrible game in that one. The one game that they've won since they beat Toronto, which was a week and a half ago, the one game that they won was Calgary, the second game against Calgary, 2-1, to one, and they had no business winning that game. None. They were outplayed. They were dominated. Calgary had all the shots on goal. Calgary had all the, the big edge and expected goals margin in that game, the edge and high danger scoring chances in that game. Jake Allen stole the two points. Montreal against Calgary. That's the only win they've had in the last week and a half, and they didn't even deserve it. They've got problems right now, uh, this Montreal Canadiens team. Um, I, I, I bet Edmonton 
in the last game against Montreal Monday night, got the job done. But here's the issue. I was laying minus 125 with Edmonton that night. Now I got to lay minus 140. So the price isn't as good. So for that reason, I'm not on the Oilers tonight. But if I had to bet the side in this one, I'm on the Edmonton Oilers if I had to choose. If I had to make a bet, it would be Edmonton. Can't take Montreal right now. Uh, there's some problems with this hockey team. and Nobody has stepped up offensively. And look, you can play all the, you know, you can try to play solid in your own zone. Jake Allen could stand on his head again. And look, he's been great. He's been the one constant for Montreal during this rough patch. He's given them a chance to win every night. But if you're not going to score, you're not going to win, especially against Edmonton, because you're not going to keep guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl uh, under wraps in all cases for three periods straight. Um, the under, I, I, I do like the under. I'm going to add the under as an official play here. Uh, under six, uh, beware, I'm actually betting an under, and I'm putting it on my card here in this game. Under six minus 120. Um, so... That means, you know, maybe bet the over and the over is going to cash here because you know that sometimes I have issues uh, cashing unders. I, my success rate across all sports has been brutal for 10 years that I've been in this business betting unders. doesn't matter if it's NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL. I've had all kinds of issues with unders. seems like when I bet them, they don't win. So be careful. But I'm, I, I do like this under. It makes sense. It was under the other night. If the Canadians are going to win, Jake Allen and the defense are going to be the ones to keep them in the game. They can't score goals. You can't put a game with a total of six these days with Montreal's lack of offense. They've been trending under the total. I believe every Montreal-Edmonton game this season has gone under the total as well, head-to-head. -head. So uh, to me, uh, the under is definitely uh, in play here, and that's what I like. Montreal-Edmonton under six, uh, minus 120. Uh, in this one. All right. That is the Wednesday NHL card. Before I reveal my best bet, a reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. This is a great time of year to get on board with DraftKings. It truly is. There's lots to get excited about. NHL, NBA, with just one month in the regular season left, Major League Baseball every day. We've got um, NFL draft coming up. Uh, lots of reasons to open up a DraftKings Sportsbook account. You get weekly specials, weekly incentives, deposit bonuses when you open that account. So sign up for a DraftKings Sportsbook uh, account on the app. Download the app. Sign up for an account with DraftKings. Use the promo code THPN. All right, it is time for Best Bet. We'll see if we can duplicate it. Not much to choose from. Small card on this uh, Wednesday night. Only four games to choose from. And uh, for my Best Bet, I'm going to go with the Vegas Golden Knights puck line, minus one and a half, minus 110. It's slim pickings on this card, uh, but I'm going to go with Vegas puck line, minus one and a half, minus 110. Uh, San Jose, I think, played a pretty strong game if, on Patty Marlowe night the other night, and maybe Vegas didn't play their best game. Keep in mind, that was Vegas's first game back home off a road trip, so I don't think it was Vegas's best game, best performance by any stretch. Now the second game back, they should be sharper. I could see San Jose's performance falling off quite a bit from what we saw the other night. So uh, best bet, again, It's not. I don't love this card at all tonight, but we do a best bet every day. I give out a best bet every day uh, regardless. Uh, so it's got to be the best of a mediocre lot in my mind. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Vegas, puck line, minus one and a half, 
minus 110 against San Jose. Uh, that'll be my best bet for this Wednesday uh, NHL card. And that'll wrap up this edition of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. A reminder, as always, we are live on YouTube with the Ice Guys show seven days a week, Monday to Friday, noon Eastern, Saturday, Sunday, or sorry, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. And if you can't watch the show live, make sure you download uh, the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iHeart. You can find the Ice Guys podcast in all, on all those audio platforms. So make sure you download it on the days you can't watch live. Thanks for tuning in. I am Ian Cameron. Enjoy the games and good luck. Have a great Wednesday night. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on Thursday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.